0: Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast. Making the Bible come to life. Featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. I wonder what it was like for Jesus to wake up every day during the final week of his life. See, today's story takes place on Monday. And I wonder if he woke up that Monday thinking, I am excited. Because in six more days, I will have accomplished the great goal of my life in ministry. Or, or did he take in every experience, every day with a feeling like, this is the last time I'll experience this as a human. I need to enjoy it. The last time I drink water. The last time I eat a bagel or eat hummus. Or the last time I smell fresh air. Or did he think this was the last time I would experience this as a human instead think, yes, I can't wait for that glorified body to be reunited with my Father and the Holy Spirit. Let's get going. Let's get this day over with so I can get on to the next day, so I can get on the next day, so I can get on to my final glory and be back with my Father. I wonder... Well, on this Monday, though, I do know Jesus woke up early. And he woke up early because he had a lot to do that day. Now, he was in a town called Bethany, about two miles from Jerusalem. He had enjoyed the fellowship of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha the night before. And he had also enjoyed the fellowship of the twelve disciples and maybe spent some time with his three best, best friends, John, Peter, and James. And as they went off to sleep that Sunday night, Monday morning, Jesus probably spent time communing with the Father, praying long hours, praying long into the night, because that seems to be what he normally did. The Bible talks about in other passages, right, the hours Jesus would spend alone with the Father, Mark chapter 1, verse 35, talks about how very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up, went out, and made his way to a deserted place, and there he was praying. So the Bible records, and later on, the, the Bible says, immediately he made disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd, and it says in Matthew 6, verse 46, after he said goodbye to them, he went away to the mountain to pray. Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it says, He often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. So I think as Peter, James, and John fell asleep that Sunday night, early, early Monday morning, I think Jesus spent that whole night himself praying. Praying to his dad praying to his father asking for help to accomplish what he needed to do that week and he knew it was going to be a tough week right you know if you think of all the obstacles he was going to face all the mean angry people he had to answer the the heartache of betrayal the hours spent testifying in court all that is ahead of him it's exhausting and so I bet Jesus prayed long into the night after his friends and disciples had gone to bed. You know, I keep thinking if, if prayer was important to Jesus, it, it needs to be way more important to me. If Jesus relied on prayer to, to accomplish so much in his ministry, why do I not pray more? I need to. I need to model Jesus in that. Well, Jesus got up that Monday morning and he probably washed his face and brushed his teeth, you know. Interestingly, in the Roman period, they used frayed sticks and abrasive powders to brush their teeth. These powders that they used to brush their teeth with were made from ground up hooves, pumice, eggshells, seashells, and ashes. And they would also use, and this is a little gross, they would also use animal and human urine as a form of mouthwash, as the ammonia in the urine did a great job of cleaning their teeth. But I don't want to imagine that. Anyway, I can imagine Jesus got up early, because in Matthew's story, what is about to happen occurred, it says, early in the morning. Now, it seems that Jesus didn't eat breakfast that day. Or maybe he didn't eat his regular breakfast. Or maybe he didn't regularly eat breakfast. I don't know. I know some people who don't like breakfast. Can you imagine that? There are people who don't like breakfast. Some people don't like breakfast food. For me, I could eat breakfast food for every single meal. You know, and I think Jesus was the same way. But anyway, breakfast back in Jesus' day was slightly different from the sausage and bacon and eggs i'm used to right especially with jesus being a jew he's not going to eat sausage and bacon but in jesus's day most people for breakfast ate a light breakfast made of a little piece of bread and a piece of fruit that's it no pancakes no coffee no syrup no waffles just a piece of bread and a nice piece of fruit I'm sure they were way slimmer than me. Anyway, that is what he ate for breakfast. And on this day, it seems that they got up early enough that Jesus didn't even get a chance to eat his bread or his fruit. And and maybe he didn't even get a chance to have breakfast. Because on the way, okay, it's early in the morning, it's Monday morning. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus sees a fig tree and he decides to go over and pluck a nice big fig and eat it. Now, I've had something called Fig Newtons, but never an actual fig. See, figs, according to one authority that I looked up, taste like a mix between a strawberry, raisin, and date, all mixed together. Huh. I think that sounds pretty good. This website says, Underlining these flavors are notes of honey, flowers, and nuts. Hmm. Tastes like strawberry, raisin, and dates mixed in with honey, flowers, and nuts. That sounds awesome. I think I would love something that tastes like a fruit and nut all rolled into one. Well, Jesus walks over to this fig tree expecting to find a ripe, juicy, nutty, fruity-tasting fig, right? That he could eat. It was common practice that you as a traveler could stop and eat and enjoy the fruit. So I just want to confirm Jesus was not walking up to someone's private fig tree and stealing a fig. No, it was a public one by the road, and all were free to enjoy. But sadly, when he got up there, this fig tree had no fruit. I imagine Jesus looked around at the limbs behind each leaf, but, you know, there was none No figs. Zero. Zilch. I wonder if Jesus then paused and sighed. You know, this tree had all the leaves of a ripe fig tree, but none of the fruit. It looked healthy. It had a lot of leaves and should be producing figs, but there were no figs. There was no fruit. And then Jesus ever the teacher began to think that this fig tree is a perfect symbol of israel he can use this to teach the disciples right now about the terrible state israel is in his chosen people are just like this fig tree you know jesus is thinking they had a large awesome temple They had a priestly class. They were doing all these sacrifices. They had all the leaves, all the trappings of following Yahweh, his father. They had all the luck of doing it right. It was a big, beautiful tree, and the Jewish people looked like they were a big, beautiful religion. But there was no fruit. This beautiful religion produced no spiritual fruit, none at all. And man, I hope that's not us. You know, I think this was a condemnation of Israel, but I also think it's a general condemnation to us today of hypocrisy. It's a condemnation by Jesus of anyone who looks one way on the outside, but inside they are completely another way. Jesus called out the Pharisees on their hypocrisy all the time. In fact, he called the Pharisees whited sepulchers later on in the book of Matthew. Matthew 23, verse 27. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which appear beautiful on the outside, just like this fig tree, but inside are full of the bones of the dead and every kind of impurity. Jesus consistently said that God would rather have your heart, your obedience, right, than some fake sacrifice. In Matthew 9, verse 13, Jesus said, Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. See, he, he wants our hearts, not our fake service. And if you're serving God out of a desire to be seen of men or out of a desire to please someone else or to get good vibes or manifestations for yourself, you're trying to look good on the outside, if, if you are living a life contrary to everything Jesus taught. You act great on the outside. You act great on Sunday morning, but during the week, you're a hypocrite. I hate to say it, you see yourself described right here in the Bible. And you're a hypocrite. You're Judas. Man, I pray we check our spirit and make our calling and election sure. So Jesus looks at this tree and he thinks, Man, you look beautiful on the outside, but you produce no fruit. You are just like my people Israel. You are just like the Pharisees, hypocrites. I can imagine Jesus leans against the tree and then he whispers, May no fruit ever come from you again. Matthew 21 verse 19. That's what Jesus says. May no fruit ever come from you again. He cursed the tree. And then Matthew records that immediately. What should have taken weeks, according to Matthew, then occurs in minutes. And what is this thing? The tree gets sick and withers up and dies. The leaves begin to turn brown and black. The limbs become sick and thin. The tree (laughs) visibly withers right before the disciples' eyes. And the disciples, they were amazed at what they just saw. They probably looked at each other and they go, Did we just see Jesus touch that beautiful tree and just withered it? They were astounded to see that Jesus could curse this tree and for that tree then to wither and die. By the way, there are only two destructive miracles in the Bible where Jesus destroys something through a miracle. Here with the fig tree, and then earlier, remember when he allowed the legion of demons to invade a herd of pigs, leading this herd of pigs to drown themselves in the sea, right? It's interesting that none of his destructive miracles were ever directed at people. And I also think a miracle like this and a miracle with the pig, it shows God's control over his creation. He can do with it what he wills. He can do with it what he wants. He can calm seas, right? Remember all those stories of when he was on the boat and it was, ah, the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus with one word just makes it as level as glass, as quiet as anything you'd ever want. But he can also destroy fruit trees if he so wishes. He's God. So the disciples, their jaws just drop open. Their eyes get big. This was an amazing miracle. And then Jesus, I imagine, turning around, he sees their amazement. And then Jesus decides to take this symbolic condemnation of unbelieving Israel and hypocrisy in general, and he now turns it into a positive picture for the disciples. Because he says to the disciples that this miracle, though amazing, is nothing compared to the miracles they will be doing he says in matthew 21 verses 21 through 22 he says this truly i tell you right he's just cursed the fig tree and the disciples are amazed and when jesus looks at their amazement at at this miracle that jesus did jesus then says to them truly i tell you if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but even if you tell this mountain, and he, and he points up to the Mount of Olives that they're about to cross, right? He points to the Mount of Olives all around him and he says, you can tell this mountain be lifted up and thrown into the sea. It will be done. And if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer, what? I can tell a mountain to be cast into the sea? I can tell a mountain as large and as grand as the Mount of Olives to remove itself from the earth and be thrown into the sea? What? Imagine a disciple standing at the top of the Mount of Olives about to walk down towards Jerusalem and then he hears these words from Jesus? If you have faith, Faith that Jesus is who he says he is. Faith that God is in control of my life. Faith that his will is perfect and good and that he loves me. And do not doubt. Do not doubt who Jesus says he is. Do not doubt the goodness of God. Do not doubt the beautiful heart of God. Then you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Notice Jesus says here, you have to pray. I have to ask God the Father in the name of Jesus for this thing I am believing in faith that the Father will provide. So I just want to say this is not a statement that says if I ask Jesus and believe, I'll receive it, that I'll get whatever I want. If I just believe it, I'll receive it. That is not what this verse is saying. Jesus cannot sin, so he can't give me anything that goes against his will for my life, right? And the Bible says we should not ask for things we want to just consume on our own lusts. James chapter 4 verses 2 through 3 says, You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures so this is not name it and claim it this isn't some name it and claim it type of event or even a type of verse right but it is a verse that should encourage you if you're a believer in Jesus if you're a follower of him this verse should encourage you to ask big to dream big To not have a small faith that only asks for small things, but to put your trust in Jesus. To put your faith that if it is in the Father's will, he will give it to you. You just have to ask in prayer. You have to have faith that God is who he says he is. You have to believe. You have to pray a believing prayer. You have to have a believing faith. And I also think this was an encouragement, uh, an encouragement to the disciples. And what I call a spiritual hack for their coming trials, right? Hey, as you go through this trial, here's spiritual hack number one. Jesus knew the trials the disciples were about to go through. He could foresee what was going to happen post-resurrection, right? And he knew the problems they were going to face, You know, he knew the metaphorical mountains they would need to climb and conquer. And he's teaching them how to face their problems. How? In faith, in the heart and might of Jesus, and in prayer. Pray to the Father in Jesus' name and ask. And don't be afraid. Pray in faith instead. Don't wonder about what to do next. Ask for help. Ask for direction from the Father. Ask in faith through prayer in Jesus' name. So I think after this object lesson with the tree and Jesus saying, man, you guys can do greater things if you ask, you will receive it. If you just pray in faith and follow me. I think after the disciples saw that, they they walked on emboldened in their faith, right? Knowing they can perform amazing miracles just like their Savior Jesus. But I don't think all of them thought that. Sadly, I also think one of them thought, what a stupid trick. I wanted a fig. Fig. Why didn't he magically produce figs on the tree? I'm tired of this show. I'm tired of hanging with these losers. I think it's time to talk to the Pharisees and get me some real money. I think that Judas saw the miracle. And instead of being impressed, he was probably depressed he didn't get a fig. And instead of listening to the story of don't be a hypocrite, instead of seeing that symbolic representation of hypocrisy and that withered, ugly tree and thinking that's him, Judas is all good on the outside. He has all these leaves on the outside. He looks wonderful, but on the inside, he was corrupt. And instead of understanding how that symbol represents him, I think Judas ignored it all and just bitterly walked along. Even though outwardly he looked so happy. Well, the motley crew of disciples walked on with some following their Jesus, right? With with all 11 following their Jesus, but one being the hypocrite he was. Like I said, I think that symbolic lesson went right over his head. I hope we don't live like Judas. I hope we don't miss the point. And I hope we walk in faith Well, the disciples followed Jesus on this Monday morning. And I suspect Jesus stopped somewhere along the way to Jerusalem and bought them all figs because, you know, you think you would want one now. Then after eating their figs, the disciples were suddenly accosted by an angry group of, well, if you come back next week, you'll find out who. But for now, I just want you to be encouraged. Don't be a hypocrite. But man, live by faith. Dream big. Ask big things of Jesus in faith. In his name, trusting that if it is in the Father's will, he will provide. I pray that you walk in bold faith today. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast.